This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's the latest San Francisco headline that has people buzzing, not just in the Bay Area, but across the country. After operating the San Francisco Center Mall for more than two decades, Westfield is walking away. They're defaulting on their nearly $560 million loan and transferring control of the mall to their lender. It's the latest story illustrating the financial devastation in downtown San Francisco, a wave of retail closures from big-name brands like Nordstrom, Gap, Walgreens, and Whole Foods to beloved legacy small businesses, including Fog City News and Alexander Book Company. Also, more than a dozen vacant office buildings and hotels in crisis, including two of San Francisco's largest. Today on Fifth Emission, all the financial turmoil that's happening just a block away from the Chronicle newsroom. I'll discuss the latest big Westfield headline with Chronicle reporter Roland Lee, and later I'll be joined by reporter Carolyn Saeed, who maps out the potential new paths for the San Francisco Center Mall. How much of this is a San Francisco problem? And how widespread is the risk of continuing commercial defaults in the city? Let's start with Chronicle reporter Roland Lee, who broke the news of Westfield giving up the mall. Roland, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Roland, last year you reported that Westfield intended to sell all its malls in the U.S., and some have said we should have been expecting this. What's your response to that? I mean, I personally was pretty surprised this happened. I think that For one thing, giving up a property and defaulting on the mortgage is a lot different than selling it. It shows that it's really in distress and I don't think this is what they wanted to do or were planning to, but, you know, they were saying that business has really deteriorated pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. And what reasons did Westfield give for this really big decision? It seems like it's unfortunately the worst performing mall in the entire U.S. portfolio. Visits are down about 42% from 2019 compared to 2022. And then sales were down by about a third. So in contrast, foot traffic across Westfield's other U.S. malls was down only 2% during that time period. So San Francisco is an unfortunate outlier, uh, for sure. On top of those really poor traffic and sales stats, they were also pretty blunt when Nordstrom said they were closing. The mall says the closure, quote, underscores a deteriorating situation in downtown San Francisco and that a growing number of retailers and businesses are leaving the area due to unsafe conditions for customers. Recent years have marked a rise in street crime, vandalism, shoplifting, drug use, and violence. The mall also urging city leaders to do something about it, saying the situation is unsustainable. That definitely... You know, raise questions about safety, and you know that's something that people in the area are also concerned about. Nordstrom occupies five stories of the mall, more than three hundred thousand square feet. Was that a big factor in Westfield's decision? Yeah, absolutely. It's a go-to name brand when you think shopping in San Francisco, but Nordstrom is closing both of its stores in the city, citing difficult conditions. The seven-story Westfield Mall location will close in August. It's been the anchor store in the mall for more than 35 years. And the whole retail space is about 1.2 million square feet. So Nordstrom was basically a quarter of that. 
So after Nordstrom leaves, the mall will only be 55% leased. It's almost half empty. And uh, again, compared to their other malls, their other malls are over 90% leased. So it's a big difference, unfortunately. And what does this all mean for current tenants that are still in the mall? Are there other leases at risk of not being renewed? The current leases are still active, but another pretty grim sign, Cinemark said that it's closing its movie theater on Thursday, June 15th. That's just a couple days after Westfield said it was exiting ownership. Cinemark's lease goes till September, but it sounds like they just don't have enough business to even sustain themselves for a few more months. I think it's definitely possible more tenants could leave even before their leases are up. The other big anchor in the mall is Bloomingdale's, and their lease doesn't go away until 2046, which is quite a long time from now. But I think it'll be really interesting to see do more people leave, especially as there's so much uncertainty with the new ownership. So this is just the latest big blow to San Francisco's downtown, which has been struggling for some time now. How have city leaders responded to this latest news from Westfield? Mayor Lennon Breed had a pretty interesting quote. So she said that she wasn't surprised, actually, and that based on some meetings with Westfield, she felt that they weren't committed to San Francisco long term. Mayor Breed responding to the news on Westfield, saying that this has been coming for some time and that the mall will remain open under new management and that, quote, we will have an opportunity to pursue a new vision for this space that focuses on what the future of downtown San Francisco can be, whether that's attracting new types of business or educational institutions or creating a totally different experience. We need to be open to what is possible. The mayor also said that they have tried to beef up security in the area. They're dedicated to on-duty police to the mall. So she is hopeful that this will lead to some sort of new ownership, will be more open to transforming the mall into something that fits more with kind of the post-COVID landscape. Well, let's talk about another industry that's really important to downtown San Francisco. That's tourism. And you also recently reported that the owner of two of the biggest hotels in San Francisco, the Hilton and Union Square and Park 55, the owner has stopped mortgage payments and plans to give up the properties. And that's a similar move to what we're hearing from Westfield. Are those impending exits driven by the same factors here? Yeah, it's pretty much the exact same thing. They have a big mortgage due and they decided that it's better to just give up on those two buildings. And yeah, I mean, that's those are two huge hotels. Together, it's almost 3,000 rooms, which is 9% of the entire city's supply. The Hilton Union Square is the biggest hotel in the whole city. That's just the amount of kind of economic turmoil that's happening within a few blocks around Fifth and Market Street is pretty remarkable. We've never really seen anything like it. The chairman and CEO of Park Hotels and Resorts says it'll walk away from a loan on both properties for just under three quarters of a billion dollars. He's quoted in a lengthy prepared statement that reads in part, we believe San Francisco's path to recovery remains clouded and elongated by major challenges, both old and new. The hotel struggles are also very much tied to just the lack of foot traffic in the area, especially from tourists. Business conferences are kind of coming back, but... The next few years, bookings are kind of dropping off. So I think that the hotel owner was saying that the outlook doesn't look good after this year. Business conferences are a huge source of money for the city. People are traveling in from around the world, paying quite a lot usually for hotels, and also booking you know, high-end restaurants and other activities. Another issue is that Chinese tourists have not really come back fully. The, the Chinese border controls were some of the strictest in the world, and those only opened up partially. Another really challenging part for the Hilton, Union Square, and Park 55 is that 
they were both closed for some of the longest periods of time during the pandemic among any hotels in the city. Hilton Union Square was closed for more than a year, and Par 55 was closed for two years. The amount of money they made is plunged. So in 2020, they made only $73 million, and in 2021, they made only $29 million. And that's compared to $354 million before the pandemic in 2019. Tourism spending has come back somewhat. So spending in 2022 was $7.4 billion, which is double the amount from the previous year. It's about 77% of 2019's level, which was a record high. But we're still expecting you know, one or two more years before it fully recovers. So, Roland, are other hotels in San Francisco facing similar financial issues? Yeah, not just in San Francisco. I mean, across the country, you're seeing uh, defaults and foreclosures because tourism is not back. So I talked to a data company called CoStar, and they said over 30 more hotel owners in San Francisco have mortgages due in the next two years. And so we could see more financial turmoil from that. At this point, Roland, dozens of retailers and companies have left downtown San Francisco. And, you know, many people are really tired of this whole doom loop narrative. Our newsroom talks about it a lot. But this succession of bad news does seem to suggest there may be kind of a domino effect happening. What do you think? Yeah, it's really looking grim. I mean, even just in the last six weeks, you had the biggest mall owner walk away. You had the owner of the two of the biggest hotels in the city walk away. You had some pretty awful, tragic crimes. The private security guard who shot and killed 24-year-old Banco Brown at a Walgreens in downtown San Francisco freed from jail after prosecutors declined to file murder charges. All these kind of negative headlines can discourage people from visiting. So I think the, the doom loop fears are definitely very real. I talked to one of the NYU professors who co-wrote a paper on the doom loop And he said, you know, this definitely shows that the hotel and retail markets are deteriorating even more. I think a really big key will be, you know, does BART and Muni get a bailout from the state, which has just been proposed? Because if transit access goes down as well, it's going to be even harder for the area to recover. Roland Lee covers commercial real estate for The Chronicle. Find his reporting on Westfield as well as other stories about downtown San Francisco at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. What's the path forward for the San Francisco Center Mall? Chronicle reporter Carolyn Saeed shares after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Nordstrom's departure from San Francisco's biggest mall leaves nearly seven acres of empty space in the city's downtown retail space. What should happen now to the mall? Chronicle reporter Carolyn Saeed explored that question for us. Carolyn, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Carolyn, Westfield has surrendered San Francisco's biggest shopping mall by halting payments on a $560 million loan. 
transferring control back to its lender. Westfield has said it expects its lender to appoint a receiver. Explain that to me. What does that mean? A receiver is a neutral third party who essentially would be the czar for that property. The lender would pick a person or company that they want to serve in that role, and then they would go to a court and petition to have that person approved. And almost 100% of the time, the court would agree. And that person actually reports to the court rather than to the lender. Their first priority is the building to you know preserve, protect, maintain the building. But they also take the lender's desires very high into their decision-making. So in 2016, the mall was valued at $1.2 billion, and you spoke to a variety of real estate experts. What did they tell you about the mall's value now, and what will be the receiver's first task? They said, God knows. (laughs) I mean, that actually will be the receiver's first task, I think, to try to figure that out. But it is very likely that the mall is worth less than half of that $1.2 billion because the loan on it is $560 million. And it's very likely that it's worth less than that loan, that the property is underwater. And that would be yet another reason that Westfield and its partners are walking away from it if they owe more than the property is worth. We saw this play out during the 2008 foreclosure crisis with single family homes. And now we're seeing it play out with big, big, big commercial properties. Let's talk about some of the different paths that this receiver can take. A lot of people have been speculating about what could fill some of the vacancies in the mall, notably the five stories that Nordstrom will leave behind later this year. There's also the option of closing parts of the mall. What goes into that decision making? So again, the receiver's first priority is whatever is best for the building and the lender. So there are basically three main paths. One is to sell it right now as is. That's kind of a difficult task because right now it's um, almost half empty and probably more of those tenants are going to leave as their leases come up. It's also possible that some of the existing tenants have clauses in their leases that allow them to bail when an anchor tenant like Nordstrom leaves. So they could sell it now, but then of course you're locking in your losses. They could try to spiff it up for a sale, meaning get more tenants in there which they would have to do by offering that space super duper cheap. And the Nordstrom space, they'd have to probably carve it up because, you know, that is five floors. I think it's something like seven acres. It's a lot of space. There's not many retailers who are ready, willing, and able to take that, even super cheap. The third idea would be to close the whole mall or part of the mall. And again, that would be a dollars and cents decision if they look at it and they see that the cost of keeping the lights on and the security and whatnot is more than their taking in from rents, they could consider that. In that case, they do have to potentially pay some of those tenants who have leases, but some of those tenants might be happy to get out of there too. Carolyn, this story has just gotten so much attention and a lot of other office buildings and other properties are in a similar situation of defaulting on their loans. Did the real estate experts you spoke to also share with you about whether San Francisco is uniquely imperiled in this way, or is this also happening in other major cities? Both things are true. It's unique to San Francisco in that we have probably a bigger concentration of this going on, but it is happening in other cities. It's happening in New York, Chicago, other big cities. There are several reasons. One is the you know work from home phenomenon. The other is interest rates are going up, up, up. 
the way that these commercial properties are financed is not like a home mortgage where you pay it out over 30 years and you're paying down some principal each month. Usually they have interest only loans for like five or 10 years. And when that time is up, they refinance. But if they're going to refinance, they're finding that, you know, the interest rates are so high, it's just not worth it. And at the same time, they're getting a lot less revenue from tenants leaving. But it does seem like we have a greater concentration here in San Francisco than most other cities. And that's not surprising because we have sort of the greatest concentration of people who chose to keep on working from home and not come back to the office. And what kind of investors are getting hit the hardest? So it's a variety of investors. You know, most of these loans were initially made by banks, but then the the loans were packaged and securitized into into what's called commercial mortgage-backed securities, and they would have been sold as financial products and generally to like big investors, not mom and pop investors, but, you know, pension funds, mutual funds, sovereign wealth funds, hedge funds. So, you know, a whole variety of investors could be getting hit. There is also a concern that this could hit some of the smaller regional banks who make a lot of these loans too. We've already seen the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and more. And this could be yet another shoe dropping in in the small regional bank world if more banks have to absorb huge losses on these commercial properties going into default. It's clear at this point that, you know, whatever path the San Francisco Center Mall takes, it does seem like the road ahead will likely be very long and tough. But does any of this spell potential opportunity for the city? It does eventually. I mean, yes, as you said, the road could be long and tough, but eventually both the the San Francisco Mall and all these properties going to fault will eventually get resold. None of them has really resold yet. They're all just sort of in the limbo of they're about to go into fault or they just went into default. Over the next two years or so, they will resell at lower prices, you know, whatever the market will bear. And somebody will take the pain of those losses. But then the new owner has a smaller market to pay and they will have more flexibility. They can charge lower rents for their tenants. Like all this stuff is worth something. It's just, you don't know what it's worth until you put it out on the market. So it will give a lot more room for rejuvenation and rebirth once they have resold at lower costs and the new owners are willing to rent at lower costs. And in the meantime, I understand there are some creative ideas floating around for some of these empty commercial properties. What are they? Well, the top one that most people bring up is turning them to housing. Obviously, we're a city that desperately needs housing, desperately needs affordable housing. Unfortunately, it is not that easy. When you look at these properties, when you look at Nordstrom, for instance, it doesn't have any windows. It has, you know, bathroom on each floor. You know, it doesn't have the right plumbing. It would be phenomenally expensive to turn that into housing. And that unfortunately is true of many of the newer office buildings and the glass towers with windows that don't open. Some of the older office buildings can be converted more easily, and the city is creating a path to remove some fees for that. But there's also a lot of creative ideas. We ran a poll among Chronicle readers. One of my favorites was uh, turning the Nordstrom's into Meow Wolf, which is this fun experiential museum, kind of like the Exploratorium on LSD instead of on steroids uh, that's in uh, Santa Fe and some other cities. Another one would be turning into a skate park, using it for pop-up craft shops or some kind of pop-ups. Another one that's actually is realistic would be using them as campuses for continuing education, higher education, ESL. They could be repurposed much more easily as campuses than as housing. Not exactly a ray of sunshine, but a, a potential good thing that could, could come out of this But, you know, it's not up to the city. The city doesn't own that property. It's going to be up to the lender. And they're 
concern is going to be what will make them the most money. Well, certainly we'll be keeping an eye on what happens to that space. Carolyn, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Carolyn Saeed is an enterprise reporter for The Chronicle. Find her stories, including on Westfield, online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Gary Baca for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 